Welcome to the five questions for a field service expert podcast. This is the show for field service professionals where we dig into the big questions about field service delivery and management. Every episode, we ask a field service expert five questions that can help you do your job better. Today, we're talking to Rosemary Coates, president of Blue Silk Consulting. Blue Silk has more than 80 clients around the world, and they help them with global sourcing and manufacturing, uh, import-export, and of course, field service operations. Before jumping into consulting and never looking back with Blue Silk, Rosemary held leadership and operational roles at uh, SAP, uh, KPMG, AnswerThink, which is actually now a part of the Hackett Group, and also with HP. Rosemary has considerable international experience and has worked in Asia and Europe for extended periods at a time, and actually we'll touch on that, uh, some of that today. Uh, Rosemary's experience spans a broad range of industries, including high-tech, uh, healthcare, industrial goods, transportation, oil and gas, just to name a few. And Rosemary is also the author of 42 Rules for Superior Field Service. Rosemary, welcome to Five Questions for a Field Service Expert. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. Well, thanks for spending a few minutes with us today. So, so Rosemary, we have five questions for you, as we do for all of our field service experts. And, and we want to know sort of from your standpoint where you think uh, field service is headed. Uh, and we'll get to those here. Are, are you ready to, ready to roll into the questions? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Perfect. So you've done a lot of work um, in Asia and Europe, as, as I mentioned in your intro. You know, based on your experience over there, how would you characterize the the cultural influences on employee behavior, especially as as it as they relate to things like field technicians and, and field service engineers? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Um, so, as you mentioned, I have a lot of international experience, and one of the things that um, pops up again and again that I think um, not everyone recognizes is that the culture and background of many employees is going to affect the way they execute their jobs. And by that, I mean, let, let me give you an example. Um, in in China, for example, the culture is heavily, heavily weighs on people. Um, so there are things like uh, uh, teamwork um, that is uh, highly valued in Asia and, and not so much in North America, for example. Even though we talk about teamwork all the time, most people execute their jobs individually, as would uh, field service people. But in China, you're likely to have a whole team go out to fix something. Um, in uh, Europe, in, take Germany, for example, you're likely to have a, a uh, an engineer to go out to assess the problem first, followed the next day or soon after by uh, by the technician, uh, a plumber or electrician or something like that. So that you know the culture and the way they think about um, uh, the background and experience and and execution really affects the operation in a way that is surprising, I think, to a lot of people, and also the way employees behave. Um, so you had mentioned behavior before. Uh, for example, you know, a, a Chinese technician is not going to tell you directly that you're doing things wrong. So if um, you're fixing something in the field and that's because you've been operating the equipment incorrectly, they're not likely to tell you that um, simply because it's a matter of saving face. 
So, you know, understanding these uh, nuances of cultural differences is very important um, because it's going to affect your whole operation worldwide. Well, indeed it would. I imagine, um, you know, a, a U.S. Uh, KPI may not may not be a Chinese KPI or a German KPI based on, as you mentioned, the number of resources or the time, uh, a, a number of visits required to, to resolve an issue or to address a need. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. That, well, with, that's totally correct. Yes. So, so with that, actually, imagine you've got a global operation, a multinational corporation, for example, who needs to reallocate field service techs uh, in a different location. What what should field service organizations be aware of, uh, U.S.-based, I should say, field service organizations be aware of when sending techs over to other countries to either fulfill a seasonal need or a spike in demand, what have you? Well, you know, once again, um, the, you know, sending people into an international location in a field service organization needs to be carefully executed um, and planned for and so forth. You know, a lot of, so I've done um, a considerable amount of work in the industrial sector where machinery is often in a remote location or if oil and gas, for example, it may be in the middle of nowhere or power generation equipment in, you know, places that are remote and that sort of thing. And you need to be aware of that. I mean, the field service rep is going out to a location that may not be safe. It may not be um, welcoming to foreigners. There may be no one who speaks English. So if you have a U.S.-based field service organization, you need to be very cognizant of that and make sure the employee is very aware um, of where they're going and the potential risks involved and that they take good measure to make sure that they are uh, they're safe um, and you know that they can actually operate and execute their jobs in the way that they should um, that's you know that's kind of a scary scary thing for a lot of us based uh, field service organizations and often the reason why um, companies will engage field service organizations or services in various countries uh, so that locals are the people who are going out to, to fix machinery and, and to uh, service machines. That's, you know, that's kind of one of those strategies that happens. But, you know, I, we just can't take international travel or international field service operations lightly. They're complicated. Um, they're complicated by the way jobs are executed. They're complicated by the culture, by the language, by the, the location, and so forth. And, um, you know, we just need to be aware of that. I mean, you know, just imagine if you had a, a Chinese company, for example, who had a global field service organization, and they send a Chinese national to the U.S. to fix something in Alabama or Iowa or California, who doesn't speak English, doesn't know our culture, doesn't understand any of that. I mean, you can imagine all the things that might happen. Well, the reverse is also true when we send Americans to global locations. And then there's, you know, there's another thing is kind of interesting. I, I, I worked for a, a big power generation company a few years ago in their field service organization. And we looked at the way machinery is serviced in each, in each location. So in the U.S., for example, if there's a problem with the machinery, we'd send out um, our field service technician to go and, and do the fixes. Um, 
and they were very well trained. They were well managed and so forth. They also had field service operations in Europe and, and in Asia. Um, so in the U.S., we'd send out a technician. In, in Germany, um, as I mentioned before, and this happened again and again, they would send out an engineer with a, with a computer or a laptop to diagnose the problem first. Then they would offer a solution, uh, you, know, you know, a technician or somebody to come out and fix the problem. In China, um, and this is cultural also, They'd send out a team of people to go and swap out the subassembly and just put a new one in. That's that's how they fix things, and you you find that very that's very common in China. Um, instead of trying to fix a component part, they swap out whole whole subassemblies. That's just the approach because they're used to manufacturing new things all the time. So you know those kind of nuances and differences and examples are um, you know, learning opportunities for field service organizations to improve the way they execute um, their operations. Yeah, so, so what we're really getting at here is sort of the notion of alignment or the notion of um, consistency. And, and you know, it's been known to happen that a field service organization's goals uh, don't always align with its companies, with its sort of its, its parent company's broader goals. You know, for instance, a company uh, that, that wants to maximize margins might have a field service org that wants to maintain peak inventory. So uh, that that doesn't always, you know, those don't always coexist peacefully. How, how do you recommend a field service leader reconcile their departmental goals with uh, the broader corporate goals when they're in conflict? Uh, that that's a huge issue. So I can I can tell you, Dan, that when um, I go to a consulting job, I get hired to go. The, First thing I do uh, is talk to the leadership and say, how are your KPIs and the goals of your field service organization align with your corporate goals? And I would say 90% of the time I get a blank stare, <laughs> but people don't really know. Um, so I always ask, well, did you, you know, is it coming from the top? Is there some set of three or four key things that the company is trying to achieve this year? Have you read the annual report? The first two pages always say, this is what the company's trying to achieve. And how is the field service organization aligned with that? So for example, if a company is trying to achieve um, you know, bigger margins in 2018, is that what you're focused on in field service? So are you executing that way? Or if the company is trying to, uh, the goal is to improve customer service by X percent, is that what you're also aligned with in, in field service? And almost inevitably, the answer is no, that there has been no alignment. So the field service people are all off trying to uh, fix things and to execute service level agreements. But it's not necessarily on the same pathway as what the corporate wants you to be. So that alignment is key to making sure that you're successful in your organization. And, you know, ne neither the goals are right or wrong. It's just the goal of the company. And you need to be in alignment with the goal of the company. Makes perfect sense. E easier said than done, no doubt. But ma makes perfect sense when you say it. It as you have. Um, let's shift gears for a second away from the notion of, of alignment and, and cultural differences and talk a little bit about uh, technology and emerging technology and field service. So we all know that certainly IoT has taken hold in certain segments of field service and, and certainly at, at the consumer level, but thinking more at the industrial or B2B level, energy, manufacturing, 
how, how does data produced from a device monitor or a sensor actually represent a risk to a field service organization that has deployed them or that is, that is consuming the data produced by them? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. I mean, obviously, the world is moving to more and more IoT, and that means that machines, there's 50 billion machines or so out there that are likely to be connected to the Internet. I mean, just think, you know, you're when we talk about Internet, it's not just you sitting at your laptop. Your phone's connected. Your car's connected. I mean, these kind of, um, these kind of advances in technologies are... Um, predominant everywhere as we go forward, and that includes the industrial sector. So IoT connecting machine to machine or machines that are sending information back home saying, you know, they're failing or they need service or that kind of thing. All, all this information um, is connected one to another. But it, what, what I think a lot of people don't recognize um, is that it it um, also presents a significant amount of risk. Uh, I, I don't know if you mentioned, I don't think you mentioned in the introduction, but I also do quite a bit of expert witness work. So I uh, get involved in uh, legal cases that involve, um, uh, you know, company disputes and contractual disputes and so forth. In, from an IoT perspective, if you have a company that's communicating with one another, uh, their machines are communicating. Data that is produced between that, if it's in a dispute, it's discoverable. So let's say, for example, you've got a machine that's failing and caused an issue, um, and the customer sues you because of that issue, or some, something got damaged or someone got hurt. Um, the communications between the machinery, how often it communicated, what it was saying regarding failures and so forth, all of that is discovered um, and is, uh, you know, open to a subpoena and, and discovered through the, the uh, legal process. And it may put you in jeopardy for losing cases and so forth. So that, you know, thinking about the information that's transmitted over the internet and between machines is a very, very important part of um, you know managing your overall risk in the company, I th you know I think um, and so I think that field service leadership needs to be very aware of that and also raise a hand when they're talking about risk in in the company and say you know have we thought through how this information is being processed, who gets it, what the customer knows and what we want the customer to know. You know, have we protected our own company uh, through this process to make sure that we are keeping, you know, private information private and that, you know, we secure that information if we need to? Or, you know, do we want to have this kind of open communication back and forth? But, you, you know, there it just seems to me like there's an awful lot of companies that are um, that are going after IoT and not thinking through not only the benefits, but also the risks that might be involved. You don't you don't want to end up in court with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I'm too expensive, and lawsuits are expensive, and you know, it's just it's it's not where you want to go. You want to think this stuff through and avoid it, avoid it from happening from the beginning. Well, let's let's take out the crystal ball for the last question, um, and this is indeed number five. How 
you know, how do you see the field service industry evolving? You talk about risk, you talk about new technologies. Beyond those, or even, I guess, in line with those, where is the, where is the industry going in, in the next few years, would you say? Well, I think, um, you know, over the past 25 years or so, we've, we've all become very globalized. So, you know, we can look up things on the internet for any country in the world. We, you know, we have, we have global networks. We have, um, you know, global sales. Uh, you know, companies have moved from being in, in the U.S., they have moved from being very domestically focused to internationally focused with exporting and so forth. And even though, you know, the political environment is, is somewhat, um, uh, you know, in, turned internally and, and trying to bring things back to the U.S., I think, you know, the cat's sort of out of the bag. We're never going to be non-global. Um, and so you need to think about field service and how it evolves as a result of that. So, you know, first of all, looking at your organization, where do you have, well, you know, where do you have an installed base? Where do you have people to service that installed base? How does it align with the corporate strategy going forward? Where are the risks and the opportunities? You know, and really taking a step up. I mean, I I think in the years that I've been consulting, I've seen a lot of field service organizations that haven't evolved as quickly as um, the global environment. And I think it's time to really open your eyes and step up and take a more strategic direction instead of um, always being worried about execution. You need to also think what is the strategy and what are the components of that strategy that are going to make the organization successful? Well, Rosemary, um, this has been. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please go on. No, that's okay. I, I just the I, I, the question was in the next couple of years, where is it going? I think you know, there's no no stopping the globalization, and certainly no stopping the march forward of technology and IoT. All of that is is really coming to fruition very quickly. Uh, there's no doubt, and and apologize again for for for, for cutting you short there. I certainly didn't mean to, uh, but you're you're spot on in terms of of where things are headed, and 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 certainly we see things from the same vantage point. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you today, Rosemary. I appreciate it. Thanks thanks for the few minutes you spent with us. Sure, thank you. To learn more about Rosemary Coates and Blue Silk Consulting, you can visit bluesilkconsulting.com. Thanks for listening to Five Questions for a Field Service Expert. For more expert views on field service, subscribe to the Mobile Reach blog at mobilereach.com.